The debate on President's address to both houses of parliament has just concluded and Prime Minister has now spoken in Rajya Sabha. Just two days after he spoke in Lok Sabha. Now, usually we would think that Prime Minister, yes, in a debate like this, speaks both in Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha. Usually you would think that the speeches would be very similar because after all the context is the same. It's the president's address and it's the same address. So we featured his speech in Lok Sabha in a full episode of Karta Clutter. Normally we should not have, we would have found it a duplication to talk about his speech again in an episode of Karta Clutter within three days. So two speeches in parliament on the same subject within three days. At the same time, we are doing this, one, because it is the election season, so anything the Prime Minister says becomes interesting and you have to read between the lines. We had said about the Lok Sabha speech that we were reading between the lines and if there are new lines available, yes, you have to read between them. The second point is, this time he has, he has responded to three key elements on which or the three prongs of the opposition's attack on him. And these three prongs are one, social justice, second, federalism, and third, his treatment of or his government's treatment of the PSUs. So one comes from social issues, the second comes from political issues. What comes from social issues is social justice, second, political issues, that is federalism, and third, economic issues, that is the treatment of PSUs. So he talks about these specifically and in detail. So that is one more reason why we talk about this. And the third reason we talk about this is that this time he's being very upfront in only talking about the Congress, only the Congress, nothing else but the Congress. And that's very interesting, uh, very important also. His speech in Lok Sabha as well, he had attacked the Gandhi family. He had spoken about Jawaharlal Nehru, his speeches, also, also some speeches in which he was critical of the people of India of not of basically in his in his way trying to exhort them to work harder like people of Europe, America, Japan, etc. But also uncharacteristically, uh, Prime Minister Modi had also been critical of Mrs. Gandhi because he also picked up a similar quote or similar sounding quote from Mrs. Gandhi as well. Now. Usually, you will not find him attacking Mrs. Gandhi except on the issue of the emergency. But that, there, there he crossed he crossed that little boundary as well, and he did that. So that, but that was that. That was then. What's new now? I told you now the three things this time. The three issues on which the the opposition, particularly the Congress party, is attacking him. So first is social justice. Rahul Gandhi, as we know, has been has been talking about caste censuses. It started with Bihar government releasing its, its caste census data. Now, it, it's, as it happens, and Nitish Kumar has gone to the NDA, which essentially means going into the BJP's tent. But Rahul Gandhi is continuing with this new idea of social justice. Lately, very recently, again said that, look, the number of the percentage of OBCs is 50 percent, percentage of Dalits is about 15 percent and tribals are 8%, so together it's 73%, so why should reservation be capped at 50%, reservation should be 73%. That immediately drew a response from other sides, but one response that it drew from the BJP was that he's not counting the reservation, the 10% reservation for economically backward 
people economically backward classes among the general category or among what might be described as upper castes but is usually called for political correctness general category the prime minister is responding to that first and what is it that he is saying he is again taking you back to jawaharlal nehru and he is saying that congress party is congenitally i am using that expression that translation carefully because he said janam jat so i am saying congenitally he said congress party is congenitally opposed to reservations so janam jat se reservation ke khilaf rahe and, and how does he what does he base that on he bases that on one of the letters that jawaharlal nehru wrote to the chief ministers as we know jawaharlal nehru had had a habit of writing this expansive letters to chief ministers in 1959 he wrote a letter to the chief minister chief chief ministers from which and it's from that letter that the prime minister is now quoted now he's he's quoted from the letter in hindi this is what jawaharlal nehru wrote in english he said he said i dislike any kind of reservation more particularly in services i am strongly against anything which leads to inefficiencies and second rate standards so he says that see jawaharlal nehru and you take jawaharlal nehru so seriously you you follow him blindly you as in the congress party he himself had said in writing in a letter to chief ministers that he is against reservations and also he identified reservations with poor quality poor quality and second rate functioning and inefficiencies so how is that any different from those who oppose reservations saying that they should only be quote unquote merit and not reservations because reservations are anti merit he is implying not and i am not using his words now these are my words he is implying that jawaharlal nehru in that letter also indicated or showed that he identified reservations with bringing in non meritocratic people or bringing in incompetent people or inefficiencies or second rate people in jobs particularly in the government because that's where the reservations were so that so, so that so that's the point he makes very strongly and then he goes on to say that you congress party were also opposed to ambedkar you never gave him a bharat ratna it had to wait for an opposition government supported by the bjp to give ambedkar a bharat ratna that was vp singh's short lived government supported by the bjp from outside and we know what happened between that government and the bjp that government was supported by the BJ, bjp from outside but it was during that government tenure that mr advani started his rath yatra and that led to tensions between the bjp and vp singh who was leading that government leading to the withdrawal of support by the bjp and the fall of that government that's that, that that's the short history of that period but that is the government that gave ambedkar bharat ratna so again interesting question he says that you you only wanted to give bharat ratnas to members of your own family you named every street corner in the country about members of your your own family you were not bothered about anybody else ambedkar in particular because he says but for ambedkar i am quite clear now after reading this letter from jawaharlal nehru i am quite clear that but for ambedkar there would have been no reservation in india and once again now he brings in he doesn't name the person he says congress party ke ek salahkar hai congress party has a very important advisor who lives in the us 
obviously Sam Petroda. And he says he's the same guy who had once said hua to hua because in one moment of exasperation, probably, because that's what Petroda might say in his defense that I was exasperated because the media was teasing him. He was asked a question about 1984 pogroms against the Sikhs. And he said hua to hua. So it happened, it happened, so what? A bit like that. It was an insensitive comment. So the Prime Minister brings that in also so that there is no doubt in anybody's mind in terms of who he is referring to. He doesn't name Sam Petroda. And he says Sam Petroda himself said something insulting about Ambedkar or something that undermined Ambedkar. So what's the backstory there? So Deendra Kulkarni's article where he argued that Nehru contributed more to the framing of this constitution than Ambedkar. That is the article that Sam Petroda had shared on Twitter, I can't even say he exed that article from Sudhindra Kulkarni. He tweeted that article from Sudhindra Kulkarni. There was a furor after that, following which, as a consequence of which, he deleted that tweet. But the PM has latched on to that. So all of that, he adds up to say that you are fundamentally against backward castes, scheduled castes, scheduled tribes, etc., etc. And there he also brings in a chapter, one of his favorite chapters from Congress's history. He says, see, you had a, you, you had a party president, Sitaram Kesri, who comes from Ati Pichade Varg, he said, extremely backward caste. Now, Sitaram Kesri was a Banya, Vaishya community from Bihar, where Banyas are backward caste. They are OBCs. Now, he said Ati Pichra work. So, I don't know for sure what, what Sitaram Kesri's sub-caste was. Nevertheless, he was an OBC. And what is the history? It's more recent history. The history takes you back to March, March 14 of 1998. That's when the ferment in the Congress party, uh, the ferment against non-Gandhi family leaders leading the Congress party. First, it was Narsema Rao for five years. Then it had been Sitaram Kesri, for two years, there was a ferment against them and there was all kinds of rebellions breaking out in the party. There was a Congress Working Committee meeting on that day, on 14th of March, 1998, where Pranam Mukherjee moved a resolution thanking Sitaram Kesri for his services. And then there was a resolution appointing Sonia Gandhi as the party president. At that point, Sitaram Kesri sort of walked out. Instead of endorsing it, he walked out. He walked out, he went to his office because he did not like what was going on. He saw what was going on to be a kind of a coup against him by loyalists of the Gandhi family. Narsimha Rao had faced the same problem for five years. The same people had now gotten together and Kesri wasn't as powerful as Narsimha Rao. That's the reason Kesri was not able to withstand them now and they were winning and now by now Sonia was also willing to take over the position. That position was with the non-Gandhi only for as long as a Gandhi did not want it. Sitaram Kesri went to his office, people went chasing after him, maybe to persuade him, maybe to ask him to come and join in and to endorse the new decision, the change. The story goes that Sitaram Kesri locked himself in his bathroom so, so, so nobody could drag him out. But ultimately, as he came out and he was going out to his car, he was like walking out of the he was like walking out of the Congress headquarters. As he was going to his car, some Congress people grabbed at him and looked like tried to pull down his dhoti, whether they were deliberately pulling down his dhoti or this, this is something that was happening in a melee, is not easy to tell. But this is, this is now a fact of history. The fact also is that 
Prime Minister Modi has talked about this several times. The first time he talked about this in some detail was in the or, or prominently was in the Chhattisgarh election campaign of 2018. He made he made a slip up there. He described Sitaram Kesri there then as a Dalit, and that is something that the Congress Party latched onto and immediately said he doesn't know doesn't even know his caste. He was an OBC, but not a Dalit. This time he's called him an OBC, or from what I heard, he said. Ati Pichade work, so extremely backward, ba backward cast. He is in fact made a reference to Sitaram Kesri in one of his parliament speeches earlier also. He now pulls it out in the context of social justice because he is collecting evidence to make his case that the Congress party's commitment to social justice is not philosophical, it doesn't come from the heart. In fact, he uses the expression, ye vecharik nahi hai. Dil mein kasak nahi hai iske bare mein. It doesn't come from the heart. That impulse does not come from the heart. This is something that the Congress party is doing. Cynically, of course, he takes a crack at Rahul Gandhi there without naming him. He says the Congress party, for its Yuvraj, they found a Yuvraj, a crown prince. For that Yuvraj, for that crown prince, crown prince they've set up a startup. A startup meaning obviously the India block. For that crown prince, Yuvraj, they got a startup. That startup is getting neither the lift nor launch. Startup ka na lift ho hai, na launch ho hai. So that's a sideways swipe at Rahul Gandhi as well. So once again, very important that the attack is concentrated on Congress party. So this is a counter to the main prong of the Congress party's attack on the Modi government, that they are poor on social justice. And if India block or the Congress party come, come to power, then they will bring in real social justice, beginning with the caste census and increase in reservations. Modi at the same time is saying, these are you, you guys are just shedding crocodile tears. You don't mean any of this. Now, the second point he comes to is federalism. Federalism is because Karnataka, we know you saw full page advertisements in your newspapers from Karnataka government saying we pay so much tax, we get so, so little back. Now, there is a there, this is a festering grievance that states which are industrialized, say Karnataka, Maharashtra at the other end, Tamil Nadu, these states produce a lot more taxes because they, they've created an environment where industry can grow. Industry can grow, they, be, they become job generating states, they become growth generating states. These are also states whose own domiciles incomes have gone up and states which are also magnets for talent from rest, rest, of, the, rest of the country as well. Talent in all areas from, from simple daily wage paid labor to Pani Puriwalas to software engineers and to startup entrepreneurs. They are, they are magnets for people, talented people from everywhere. Now, these states complain that just because we got our act together, we've, we've controlled our population, we've improved the quality of our population by way of improving education, training, etc. The money that we produce, the contribution we make to the contribution we make to national kitty far too much of that goes to states which have been not quite as responsible as us that is mainly bihar uttar pradesh particularly uttar pradesh some other states also maybe madhya pradesh states which have not done so well so states which are not contributing they are getting a disproportionate share of the national tax kitty that is the argument and that is why Karnataka leaders are on the streets in Delhi. That's how Kerala leaders will also be on streets in Delhi. So the Prime Minister sees that, one, 
he sees that as an attack on a principle, on a principled issue. Second, he also understands, he acknowledges, he has to, he cannot deny it, that this attack is coming from southern states where his party is not very popular. And that's where some disconcerting noises have also come. DK Suresh, for example, he went to the extent of saying that what's going on is injustice. And if this continues, we might be, we might be forced to demand a separate country. That's what DK Suresh apparently said. So in fact, if I take you to the protest that Congress party's Karnataka government is holding in Delhi. And we can go by a statement that Jairam Ramesh has put out. The three points he makes is, number one, that the state has been denied drought relief funds. Number two, that the state was denied rice for its free rice scheme. That, that, that was one of their election promises. And third, and he says that of every 100 rupees that Karnataka contributes to the central tax kitty, it gets back only 12 rupees. And that is what the Prime Minister is responding to. So he's made a very emotional response to this. The imagery he's used of the nation is that of that of the human body. He said the nation is not, not just a piece of land. It is like the human body. So in a human body, if, if a thorn gets into your foot, your hand automatically reaches out to pull it out. It's not as if your hand will say, your arm will say, oh, it, 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 this has only hurt the foot, why should I bother? And similarly, he says, when, when, when your foot hurts, tears come out of your eyes. Your eyes don't say, why should I cry? Why should I shed tears? Because only the foot is hurt. And he says that in a country, which is a whole, like a human body, every part is important. And every part, the suffering of any part is the suffering of any other part. And then he uses examples. He was saying there was a time when India was short of oxygen during the Delta wave of COVID, obviously. That's when Eastern zone in India was producing surplus oxygen. Suppose they had said, we will not send oxygen to the rest of the country. Or there are states that produce coal. If those states said, we will not give our coal to the rest of the country, we will, we will use our coal so the rest of the country will remain in the dark. And then he makes it quite rhetorical and he says, suppose the Himalayas say, Himalayas have the snows and snows melt and that water goes into the river. Suppose the Himalayas say, these are my rivers, we are not giving this water to anybody else, stuff like that. So he is responding to that charge of the BJP government being over-centralized and not encouraging federalism. He says, on the other hand, that he believes in federalism and he believes in federalism and he, in fact, would like competitive federalism. He would like states to compete amongst each other. So that is, that is a rhetorical answer, but that's the second point. The third answer to the third point, that is opposition's, that is opposition's criticism on the BJP's treatment of the PSUs. That is more substantive and that has more facts in it. So he says, the opposition said, I will finish HAL. The last election, 2019 election campaign, he said, they started from the gates of HAL. Rahul Gandhi started that. They started from the gates of HAL. That's when the Rafal story was going on. And the allegation was that since Rafal is being imported and part of the co-production or some, some of the offsets are being given to Anil Ambani's company, HAL is being smoked out of this and ultimately this will lead to HAL, HAL shutting down or HAL, HAL being sold out. So he says he makes a spirited defense of the PSUs, his government's performance of the, on the PSUs and I might have a little argument and opinion on that which I will share with you. And he says that look at HAL now, HAL, HAL stock price is booming, HAL production is the highest ever, HAL has set up 
Asia's largest helicopter company and he underlines the fact that it's that it's located in Karnataka. So HAL is doing very well. Then he says Congress party it was or UPA that nearly ruined, nearly completely ruined and buried MTNL and BSNL of those BSNL is now doing very well. And BSNL it is which will now unveil indigenous 4G and 5G and the whole world is looking towards it. He also says that you said that I will destroy LIC. See the LIC share price is now booming. It's at the highest price ever. I will give you a little fact check on that. And and then he says also that Air India, who you ruined Air India, you ruined BSNL, you ruined so many other companies. I, on the other hand, have rebuilt so many of the PSUs and PSU, PSUs are doing very well. When he took over, he said the value, the total value of the PSUs was nine and a half lakh crores. Now it's 17 lakh crores. That's a little less than half. And again, I will give you a little comparative fact check on, on this. This is factual, factually correct, but I, but I will give you a comparative fact check as on, as on LIC as well. And then he says, when we took over, there were 234 PSUs. Today, there are 254 PSUs. On that, I will have an opinion. Now, what are these comparative fact checks? Comparative fact checks are that you can say that LIC share price is at, at its highest. First of all, LIC, the listing of the LIC was a was a very bold and good reform. And that is not something that I'm saying as an afterthought. And that is something that I welcomed as well, because listing a big organization like that, until then, LIC was not even really a company. LIC was a closely, closely held government organization. For it to be properly corporatized, it had to be listed. And a larger stake had to be created. And also, it was good for the government to share some of its wealth with investors or give investors an opportunity to, to also buy into India's most important insurance business. So that was a good thing. The fact, however, is because of many reasons, the fact, however, is that while he's correct factually that LIC share is at its highest, but that's only happened a couple of weeks earlier in the last couple of weeks. Otherwise, since it had listed in 2022, the share had sort of stayed below its issue price, its IPO issue price of 949 rupees. Now, it's almost 100 rupees more than that. So it's correct to say that it's at its highest, but that's happened only over the last couple of weeks or so. That said, the other thing is the value of the PSUs. Now, the value of the PSUs, he's correct, has gone up from 9.5 lakhs to 17 lakhs. That's a very good thing. But also think about where the markets were when it took over and when the, where the markets are now. So he's right to say that the value of the PSU was 9.5 lakh crores when he took over. It's now 17 lakh crores. It's a little less than twice as much. It's a little less than 100% growth in 10 years. But the comparative point to be made is what was the value of the markets? So when he took over, so when he took over, Nifty, was 7,563. That is on 16th of May. That includes the bump that Nifty got because election results came in and it became evident that BJP will be in power with a full majority. I'm taking you back to 16th of May, 2014. That day with the day's bump, Nifty came to 7,563. Today, Nifty is 21,930. So it's gone up, gone up almost three times. So while he's right to say 
that the PSU's value has gone up more than 90% in these 10 years. The fact is that it has still underperformed. The value of the PSU's has still underperformed the broader markets in the country or, or the value of the biggest 50 Indian companies. I just make a, I just make a philosophical point here and that's, that, that's a bit of opinion that I warned you I'll put in. That this again, while the PSUs have done very well in the last several years, this again tells us that persisting with these companies as PSUs still leads to a loss of value because see in comparison what other companies have done, what the private sector has done. And once again, the basic principle remains that governments, this is opinion, the basic principle remains that government should not be in business. Government should let business people do business and create the environment for them to compete and to give them level playing field. However, going by this speech, it's evident now that Modi government now, even going ahead, will continue on with this commitment to PSU. So those of us who had seen government getting out of business as one of the most important touchstones of economic reform in the country, privatization, government giving up its love, love affair with the PSUs, that, that hope has now been belied and we should be realistic and we should know that Modi government, this BJP, even going ahead, will continue on to hold on to PSUs in general. There might be somewhat privatization, but they will continue to hold on to them in general. And you've seen that in the interim budget as well, where the disinvestment target has actually been scaled down.